Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song's Second Chance Theater, where we recover a topic, but with a new guest. I'm your host, Sean, and with me today is a special returning guest who hasn't been on in a while. It's Derek Speedy, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. I don't even remember the last time you were on. I think what was the, I think the last one was, was it Heartbeat Loud? It was Heartbeat Loud. It was Heartbeat Loud. And that was... Shady and I had that nice little uh duet going where we did Heartbeat <laughs> Loud, Sing Street. <laughs> yes, and it's funny you bring her up because today we're here to recover Scrubs, my musical. That was previously it was episode number 4. <laughs> Hell yeah, it was. Podcast. And the guest on that one was Shady, our friend, our very good friend. And listening to that episode, wow, I've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> but I know when I first reached out to you to be a guest in here, this was one of those, this was one of the things that you said that you would like to do. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I already recorded this. And you were like, God damn it, motherfucker. It was like the first first four fucking suggestions I put out. You're like, sorry, Shady's doing that one. Sorry, Shady's doing that one. And this one, this one was the one that really got me. This was the one that, so that, and that's why we did SpongeBob SquarePants as the first episode that I did with you, just to, just to spite you. But you didn't know that really at the time. That's true. I didn't, I, I didn't know it was going to be such a, such a, such a to-do. So, and, and in doing this, I think I was the one that reached out to you to say, would you like to do this? Just because I know that it was one that you kind of fought for. Be like, can I really do this one, please? Oh, you're so, you're so thought. It was so thoughtful. I try. I try. I try to look out for people. No, <laughs> so, no, you always have. You always have. So I appreciate it. So why? I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking people, why did they want to recover this topic? But like, what made you want to do this one first? Well, you know, I got an email from John and he said, why don't you do this? <laughs> now, this is the one, this is the one that, um, again, I was so passionate about. And I, part of me was a little worried listening. Excuse me. I am. Um, I've been in bed the last two days, six. So I'm about to cough off, off cam, off mic. So one okay. second. Okay. And we're back. And we're back. It was just, you know, a little building, a little suspension, a little tension. <laughs> I may cut all this out. Who knows? Yeah, that's okay. You probably should. <laughs> So this was this is the one that I was so excited about, and I, I honestly didn't know why. I don't know why I was so excited about this. And so when I was listening back to the episode that you and Shady recorded, I was like, damn, they did a pretty good job. They went pretty in-depth. You know, I what am I going to offer that's new this time around? Okay. And I think in re-watching the episode and listening to you two talk, I feel pretty firmly on this stance that this is the greatest musical episode on television. Really? I'm going to take that stance and I'm going to put two huge caveats in. Okay. I really don't want to compare to too many other things. Right. Um, necessarily saying why, you know, this other one's bad. And two, there is one that I know and everything that I've looked in my little research on these lists of best musical episodes. Everyone says the Buffy musical episode is like the creme de la creme. 
So I will say I have not seen that episode. Okay. I was not a Buffy. Okay. I was not a Buffy Perfison. I don't know if you were, so maybe you can maybe we can have a little a little debate and you can you can make your case for something as having not seen it. And I think on the little I read about that episode, some of the reasons for this statement, for this thesis statement on my end is gonna are, are gonna are gonna overlap. Well, so with the Buffy episode and this and Scrubs my musical, they attack the musical differently. So for Buffy, it's a a spell or um, the effect of a demon, I believe. And so like everyone is bursting out to song and it's like mostly like the emotional state that they're in that they can, it's a typical, it's a typical like musical theater moments where it's like, oh, I'm singing my thoughts or um, sometimes I'm singing dialogue in my musical, though, after rewatching it and realizing we didn't talk about this last time, the songs are the dialogue. It's nothing about like what's happening inside. The music may reflect the set, the actual music of the songs will reflect what's the emotion behind the words that they're saying, but it's not, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Yes, they're both fruits, but like that's where it ends. <laughs> so yes, fair enough. And, and and you know, also one's a sitcom, and you know, one while it had its its camp elements was not necessarily a comedy, right? But like, yeah, I can, I I would, I out of all the ones that I've watched, both for this podcast and outside of this podcast, like musical TV episodes. I would I I don't know if I could put one over the other for Scrubs and Buffy because I I think for me I was more of a Buffy person so fair I would lean more towards that but like rewatching this yes there's some like really cringy <laughs> moments yeah. because the dialogue of comedy has changed over the years for sure but I mean it's still a pretty solid episode if you and all I can do then is make my case for Scrubs. Okay, make your case, counselor. So, so yes, I was raised by two attorneys, uh, <laughs> only child. If that hasn't been abundantly clear over the last four episodes, well, first of all, I did math, which was uh, you know I can't believe you made me do math for this episode. How did I but make you do math? I did it of my own volition, but to make my point, I had to do math. Okay, and I added up all the run times of all the songs. And in this 24-minute episode, I'm not totally sold on my math, but I think it was 1957 That seems of it right. music. And then I looked on Spotify, and there's the My Musical Spotify playlist, and it says 20 minutes and 9 seconds. So let's average it out. 20 minutes out of the 24 minutes mm-hmm. is all music. It's impressive. It's really impressive. And I said I wasn't going to make comparisons, but... Another show I love that, you know, has the same kind of silliness factor is, is Psych. And Psych's oh. known to do the Psych musical. I don't know if you've done that episode yet. I did. I have, yes. That was also I, a really good one. I love, 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 love that show. But I did not love that musical episode. I love, love, love Scrubs. But I loved this episode. And I think it really fits for what Scrubs is. It's... Scrubs is silly, yes, but you have the theatrical elements of JD's fantasies and a lot of the fantasies that happen. And then I think that Scrubs, similar to my point that I made for SpongeBob, 
is that music is so inherent to the show yes. that kind of blending the two of them together just made so much sense. And that actually it felt you, you and Shady had this argument of, is it a self-contained episode? And I do think it is, but I actually think it makes more sense in the context of where it is. Because the episode right before this is Elliot making way more money at her private practice and JD and Dr. Cox kind of being jealous over that and, and having, having issues with that. And that really bleeds into that, that B storyline of Elliot moving out and not wanting JD to, to come with mm-hmm. her. But I think that for the show, it makes so much sense. So there's like iconic musical moments in this show um, where Colin Hay, the lead singer of Men at Work, um, they say, okay. living on a dun down under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my husky baritone with this cold. Love it, love it. <laughs> um, he fully plays out as just like follows JD around playing um, a song called Overkill that's on one of his solo albums. And it's just him playing a guitar following JD around. Um, there's an episode where the blanks are auditioning. I was just about to bring them up, yeah. Well, first of all, the blanks to begin with. I mean, the fact that there's so many, they come in with so many musical elements and sometimes sing about what's happening. Don't they, if memory serves, they just like magically show up being like, yeah, we're we're in different departments and we're just an acapella group. Accept it. Yeah, right? it's like, they're like, we're, we're, the, we're the administrators in the hotel, or in the hotel, in the hospital. In the hotel, yes, you're right. In the hotel, in, in the White Lotus Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we're the administrators, and so obviously we have to form an acapella group. We've got a band together. But then there's the one where they're doing like the air band, which is when we get one of the iconic Scrubs moments of Turk um, doing Belle Div DeVoe, Belle Biv DeVoe's um, Poison, and like oh, dancing to that and lip singing to it. Um, and so during that sequence, they have uh. JD going through the the hospital, basically playing air guitar and lip singing to Fountains of Wayne's Hey Julie. And just there's so many moments in the show where there's not it's not even that um what's the word? It's it's not even that concrete, but like one of the most emotional moments of the entire show is when Dr. Cox um makes a mistake and three people die because of it and he goes down a spiral and that's when you know the phrase how to save a life is playing but it's just the music choices in this show are so particular mm-hmm. i mean the last moment of the show as i think true fans choose to see the ending of the show is peter gabriel's book of love playing while there's like silent projections of what jd thinks his future could look like and it ends with with the lyrics that Peter Gabriel has and, and with Peter Gabriel's song. And it's, so it's, I don't know. I think music is so inherent to the show and Bill Lawrence loves music. You can see it even in Ted Lasso and their collaboration with um, Marcus Mumford and how he's used, a lot of his music is used throughout the show. And I mean, you think of Garden State, which was kind of like an iconic, like early 2000s soundtrack. Zach Braff had a lot of input in that. I just think it, Music is such an important inherent part of the show that to make a musical episode just made sense. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I agree with you because I, I feel like they wanted to do it earlier, but like 
Yeah, because the one the one that also comes to mind for me is the Wizard of Oz episode that they do. Um, that features more of the blanks, I believe. I don't think absolutely, it's, yeah. I don't think it's anyone else singing, but they, that's like a heavily featured of of them singing a cappella or like um, just being ambient mood music, and. Yeah, this show this show I think needed this episode and I like I love how they did it because like uh I'm going to fuck up her name again. <laughs> Stephanie Stephanie DeBruzzo um nailed it. Oh, I did it. Yes. She she is the catalyst for all these musical numbers and like she's clearly on uh, like they cut back to her or she's in the background at in some scenes and everything like we're gonna miss you caller she's in the background at the front desk um so that justifies like the rules of this musical for this episode are just so apparent and that's what i like (laughs) no i and i think that's definitely true is like that's the clearly defined part of it too of like everybody always says you know in musicals why do people start singing and like you said in, about maybe about Buffy or I would say probably how we view most Broadway musicals are, you know, it's an overwhelm, overwhelming emotion and something that just can't be said. So I guess in that way, maybe it is a little bit different, but I like that there's a defined rule that we can say, this is why they're singing in this episode. And this, and this is, is a, why they're singing at this moment. And this is a post Chicago world that we're in the, um, the movie Chicago. Uh, oh, true. Where, they defined the songs by being in Roxy's mind and everything. And so I guess Scrubs just took that element, but made it a patient who has a brain aneurysm. Which apparently I I found out is I, I I tried very, very briefly to read some of the, the abstract of these neurological papers (laughs) of um, that it is a thing that musical hallucinations and it turns out that it happens mostly in elderly women and often the music that plays has to do with seasonality and religious music so people are hearing like christmas carols or like amazing grace well so broadway musical is not too far off well so there's um because we've also covered zoe's extraordinary playlist which is basically this Mm, episode mm -hmm. if you really think about it that is true um where she hears the heart songs and everything but like for that show she's hearing their internal monologue with this one it's all text it's all outside Mm. uh but mary steenberg virgin who stars in that show actually has this um disorder that i'm trying to find the name of it uh, where she can hear, like, she can hear music or something. Like, she hears, like, it's a real thing that she, something happened to her and now she can hear music when there is no music. So, wow. like the character Zoe. So, the fact that this show, I don't know if they accidentally meant to do this, but they accident. it feels like they accidentally stepped into this real disorder that people have. It's very yeah. like rare though. It's so rare. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here you go. Uh, oh. uh, uh, she woke up from a minor arm surgery in 2009 and said, uh, uh, everything from other people talking 
to the things she reads, uh, to her own thoughts, uh, uh, she could have background noise as uh, in her head as sounding musical. So, yeah, it's a real thing, apparently. I don't know if it really has a name or not, but yeah, this the, watch, and I'd watching. Know, this, like, is it is it just like a backtrack? Is it just like Hans Zimmerman in the background of people talking? So is it more like that? It's like a movie score, or is it like, or is it like again, this episode where? You know, you're having full-blown musical numbers. I mean, granted, she's probably not seeing people dancing. Seeing people dance, that's fair. Um, Was there... Did you feel like there was something that we left out in the last episode when we did this? Two things. Two things okay. caught my eye. First of all, did you notice what Stephanie DeBrizzo's character's name is? Patty? Patty, with an I. Okay. It is a, it is a clear reference from the writers to Patty Lapone. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And especially that moment in the rant song when she kind of gets up in, in JD's grill, very, very brassy, more from the chest voice, like was meant, was very clearly, I think one of the writers said was like, this was meant to be the Patty moment. <laughs> which does kind of like disrupt everything and gets her, her cat scan, which then leads to all these revelations. Then the other thing, oh, sorry, two other things. One other small thing is, I don't I don't think you guys mentioned the curtain closing at the end of act 1. We didn't. We did not. I thought it was so clever. That is yes. Yes, the the like this is a musical theater nerd's like dream yeah. because you get the we understand the references that they're making via songs. Um you know, like the modern major general, the um, we uh, we go together or whatever it's called in from Greece. Um, like the songs are parodies, but also like paying homage to them. But then also yeah. these little things like the big group number and they have to like um, they scrubified it in a way where you have Doug with the dead body and his lollipop you and know? his lollipop, of course. Dr. Cox so, jump, ro- jump roping because he can't dance. <laughs> yeah, which is so good. And and that's the thing too is um you know I also want to I want to shout out um which is I think the other the big thing that maybe was left out was um Deborah Fordman was the name of the uh, she wrote the lyrics to everything. Really? Yeah, so and also I, I didn't um what's it oh J- Jeff Marks, Jeff Marks? Uh and Jeff Bobby Marks, Lopez. Yeah. Robert Lopez. I have, I found four names. Um, on a lot of things. And Fordham's almost on every single one of them. And she's not a, like, not a lyricist. And particularly in Everything Comes Down to Pooh, there are some really clever lyrics in there. But she was the executive story editor for so much of the series. And she was a writer on like 16 episodes. Some of the best episodes, a lot of the themed episodes, the Sesame Street episode, um, the like the one that's like my life and four cameras are four angles, the one that was really sitcommy. Oh, interesting. Like like eighties, nineties sitcom, and so she does is really good at a lot of these stylized episodes, and I think that was so inherent to I think again why I think this is one of the best musical TV episodes is because it really felt like the show that the characters all responded musically. I think the way the character would. You know, Dr. Cox's rant song, JD and Turk's love song, which I'm sure we'll get to. 
Oh yes. Um, oh yes. I want I want to hear your perspective on that because you had uh, we recorded that three years ago. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I pre-recorded everything and obviously it came out in twenty twenty one, and so. I mean, yeah, there's some throughout the whole episode, there's some lyrics that didn't age or weren't good even for the time, if you think about it. But like Guy Love is the one where, again, the conversation about comedy is always in flux because yeah. somebody's going to be offended by something or we're going to realize um, we tell jokes differently these days or what have you but guy love is the one where there's so it's so toxic <laughs> but like so iconic in a way so iconic and so i mean i i remember shady was saying she's like yeah whenever i see like two dudes like broing out and i love it's guy love that's all it is um before like, we get there, before before we fully dive in though i just want i want to go back to deb fordman real quick and just give her her due because i think the thing about Scrubs that I love so much is that it is this silly, wacky, zany show that, yes, that I think also has a lot of problems and a lot of some of the humor. Um, I mean, hell, they did blackface in the early aughts. A lot of the, a lot of the, the you know, implicit and explicit racism. You know, a lot of the, the gay panic and all, all these things that really trouble a lot of comedy from the early, early aughts. And then it was so ahead of their time in so many things, especially you and Shady mentioned, you know, kind of the, the notions of toxic masculinity. And I think that's something that Bill Lawrence clearly seems to be interested in between several of his shows um, and what it, you know, what it means to be a man and what society thinks it means to be a man and just what it means to be a good person. And then, so it's like, yeah, it can be zany, it can be problematic, and then it just fucking rips the Band-Aid off and exposes your soul sometimes. I mean, yeah. I've never I've never cried harder at some moments in TV than in Scrubs. I mentioned the Dr. Cox kind of giving up and and blaming himself for things and that spiral. That That is such an emotional TV moment in this crazy, zany sitcom. There's the iconic Brendan Fraser episodes. Uh, that I think are some of the best episodes of television, and that like just that the able their ability to do that, and I think they do that in this episode the the that's what's gonna happen the mm-hmm. la- uh, truly actually the last singing moments of the show that melody is so beautiful, that moment is so raw, it shows a patient that's really scared like when she you you mean when Patty sings those lyrical high notes and everything um right before her surgery yeah right before her surgery and they're like and and everyone's telling her that's what's gonna happen and then it all fades out and they have kind of that rent will i life support moment and then she's talking to herself and the last sung musical line is like very bare and it's just stephanie DeBruzzo's beautiful bird-like voice um singing just like i'm gonna be okay that's what's gonna happen I, i was like I was really emotionally hit by it. And in preparation for this, since this episode was filmed with Shady, Donald Faison filmed, <laughs> filmed recorded, recorded, sorry. <laughs> well, I'm looking at you on Zoom. Uh, yeah, Zoom. yeah. But since it was recorded in, way back in 2020, oh my God. since that time, Donald Faison and Zach Braff have started their own rewatch uh, podcast of, oh. of Scrubs. 
And so by at this point, they've gotten to my musical, and I think they I think they only got to it either end of twenty twenty two or early twenty twenty three. Wow! So like I just listened ago. to it. Yeah, so like like days to weeks ago. So this is perfect timing. Okay, I didn't I didn't even know that they were doing this. So I I listened to their talk about this and just the the love that the um the cast has for this episode too. They said it was you know it was the first time in six years that they all got together to watch an episode together. Wow. I think since like the pilot. Right. Um, that it was, you know, one of the only episodes that they had weeks of rehearsal ahead of time because usually stuff in TV moves so fast. You don't, you don't really have time for that. So it was like, it was kind of this reset so late in the show and, and you know, and things with the show, as Shady said, like they always thought they were going to get canceled. Um, <laughs> Um, maybe they'll get canceled for a different reason down, down the line, AKA blackface, but, um, but they always thought they were, they were going to get off the air. And so, you know, they did it and season six notoriously kind of didn't get a lot of great reviews, but I think this is one of the only Emmy scrubs ever won was for this episode. They got five nominations. Guy love lost to Dick in a box for the Emmy for best original song. Which I think is just just makes so much sense. And then one toxic song to another. (laughs) (laughs) And then they won for best sound mixing for this episode. That I saw, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was really good. I couldn't tell if they recorded it live or if it was in a studio. I'm pretty sure it was a studio recording the songs. All the songs were studio recordings, they said, but they all had, you know, they had labs and, and mics hooked up live as well. So, like, especially during Guy Love. Um, he does, like, Michael Jackson-y moments. Yeah, the I, Michael Jackson-y moments were, were, those were live from on set. And then I think Zach Graff has this great line. He goes, no hands. <laughs> no hands, just <laughs> when they hug each other. Okay. So let's talk about Guy Love. I'm glad Let's that he, Love. I'm I'm glad you're here to talk about Guy Love because I want I want to hear your perspective of it. As a, oh, it's as I as, know it as a self-identified straight man. Yes, yes. I want I want to hear what you think. So, this show again is so special to me for so many reasons, and this is all going to come back. I'm 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 going so roundabout, but um. Zach Braff, as you and Shady mentioned, went to Stage Door Manor, which is where you and I met. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. Which is where you and I met. So, you know, he went to the theater camp that I went to. He's from New Jersey. I am from New Jersey. In fact, his dad and my dad have worked together because my dad's a lawyer and his dad's a judge. No big deal. I hate you. And so, no. And so, <laughs> I mean, not, not very closely, but there were a couple cases where they've overlapped and like he got lunch with, you know, Zach Braff's dad. And, you know, my dad mentioned that I loved scrubs and, you know, Zach's dad gave me a signed headshot of, of him in scrubs that I have in my room. I love this show. Um, Why are you bragging right now? Just get, tell I me just, what you think about guy love. <laughs> you already know. Let me keep picking up these names that I'm dropping. Um, <laughs> Donald Faison's mother is an agent in New is York she City. your agent? <laughs> no, but she was in the same office of the first agent I ever had. Okay. Then, 
Sarah Chalk was on How I Met Your Mother, which was the first like adult sitcom TV show I ever watched. That's a little more tangential. But then John C. McGinley went to my high school, who plays Dr. Cox. So there's like all these like little like personal personal things that kind of come together. And then in college, and it's so funny to me that you know you guys talked about watching this in a dorm room. In a dorm room, I wasn't watching this live, but I watched it in a dorm room too. And maybe there's something about just that age that like early twenties that hits really well for people. But me and my friends loved this show in college and we were always referencing it. We all called each other different people. Like we, our little friend group just fit perfectly to the characters of the show. So coming to Guy Love, it was me and my best friend, Jake, were very similar to JD and Turk. Oh no. (laughs) Except my best friend happened to be gay. Okay. Okay. And so we would always sing guy love to each other. And I don't know if that makes it more problematic or less problematic. I don't know. But like, but I don't know. There, so, there was like something that just like, it rang true for our friendship. And like, there's something interesting to me too, that just that, that dynamic of, you know, like he called me his straight best friend instead of me calling him his gay, my gay best friend. Like he, I call, he was calling me. Yeah. That's my, my straight best friend, Derek. <laughs> um, but like, Oh my God, Derek. <laughs> There is such a romanciness of it that, like, it just just rings true. I, one of like the the vines, R.I.P. Vine, that people <laughs> sing all the time, and that like similar. It's one of two things. It's two guys sitting in a hot tub, five feet apart, because they're not gay. Mm, yeah. And like again, like, it's something that isn't good. <laughs> like it's like this gay panic is so silly, and you know. Men can share affection for each other that is or isn't sexual and whatever, but like, I don't, it just, it rang so true for the characters. And I think what's hard for me is that they were so close. They were so close to, I think, really towing the line where he says, you know, the only man has ever been inside of me. Yeah. I mean, that, that, they clearly were going for something. I mean, he has like his fist through his, his hand. But, the, but and then Turk says, Turk says, oh, no, I, I, I gave him surgery. And then uh, JD says, you don't have to clarify it. And I was like, okay, that actually kind of works. That like, they're, similar to what Shady was saying about making comments on Dr. Cox making these awful, you know, toxic masculine jokes and, you know, misgendering and, and calling JD him. by female names traditionally female names that like a lot of the times the comedy is the comment on being like, well, calm down. Like that's not funny. Or like it was comments on Dr. Cox's toxic masculinity that I feel like they almost do that where JD comments on Turk's aversion to it. Cause like, he- I, I feel like while watching this, like JD as a character is profound because like, He's a straight man, straight white man who is in touch with his emotions and not afraid to show emotions, really. Like when he's sad, he cries. When he's happy, he's like so manic and overjoyed and everything. And so like he really does uh, love Turk, but it's not sex. It's platonic. It's like mm-hmm. it's 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 like like they are brothers. And at this point, they are really like family. And so I just, 
I just I don't I I just don't like Turk's aversion to it. So and that's the thing is they're so close because he says the only man has ever been inside of me. Hey, I did surgery. Don't clarify it, and then they just kind of undermine even the comedically they undermine the joke because then Turk goes, "Oh no," and it's like you're you're putting a hat on a hat like it's just like they added that extra bit that didn't that if, if you just said there's no need to clarify it it was a nice comment on it where jg's jd's like let me just love you like right. there's an iconic line there's an iconic line in one of the like the first few episodes where he says i miss you so much it hurts sometimes yeah yes but also and like i do want to talk about for the last time i'm dominican Oh, because uh, I disagree with you guys. I actually think that 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 did not age well. Oh no! no I think I even in the three extra years, it it aged very poorly. And not that you guys said it aged well, but it wasn't as bad as you were worried about it. Right? Because you know, doing this podcast and doing these second chance theaters and listening to myself, which is starting to get a little annoying. Uh, <laughs> um, I. I uh, we're remembering things that you know at the time we're like oh my god my musical was great and it was 2007 yeah 2007 so like that's a really long time ago a lot has happened but like we remember loving it and then all of a sudden we were like oh right for the last time I'm Dominican is a song and it's bad it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Well, it's it's one of my least favorite things about the show that actually going back and watching is, I, I, I don't know, I actually have a really hard time watching Turk and Carla's relationship a lot of the time. And it's just, it's always so, that's, for some reason, that's the relationship, even more than JD and Elliot, that they really tried to put like a lot of, te- like a lot of obstacles in that they had to overcome. And some of them were really real and some of them were really beautiful, like like postpartum depression. And was like really like was a really I don't I don't really know a lot of shows especially sitcoms that that talked about that and you know that was really cool to see the two of them still be together and and come together and go through a difficult thing together um, but they really just kept hitting them over the head with kind of obstacles in their relationship and a lot of them came from Turk and just like being inattentive or not listening and I, I don't know that made me that made me upset and I think that 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 song again, works perfectly for the show and is a great encapsulation of their relationship, but makes me kind of sad. Although, and this is a genuine positive, I thought, the fact that they found so many words to rhyme with Dominican. Again, a shout out Deb Fordham. Yeah, it's astounding. Lyric, like, rhyming wise, uh, it was astounding to be like, oh my God, and you made it logical. It's not like, uh, you know, they had to shoehorn things in. Um, like, like you ever, you know, you know the alphabet game where like you start a sentence with the next letter of the alphabet, and you, then you get to X, and you're like, xylophones are over there, and you're like, where yeah. did this come from? So, but like this makes sense in a way. Is it still good? No, <laughs> no. It, but like, I do want to shout out the writing for once. Because yes. usually, usually in instances like this, it's like the writing is so bad and you feel bad for the actors who have to say it. But like, I mean, that was a running gag since episode one, I think. 
So and, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to play I I don't want to play myself too hard because I haven't looked specifically at these lyrics. But I think you're right. Like lyrically, what is being said isn't necessarily the thing that's you know quote unquote problematic. It, they it's used, like it's kind of they used Michigan and Dominican as right. Yes. No, like, but like, but like, never would have thought that. And even what they're saying, like, what what they're saying isn't necessarily racially charged by any means. But it's just the fact that it's like, okay, dude, come on, like, you're putting all of these, you know, Latinx things together, together, and, together, and yeah. it's a communities together, and it's it's your, it's your wife. Like, come on, you you don't know. You know, you don't know who your wife is. You don't know how your wife identifies or, you know, just what her, what her background is. You don't know how like many that. siblings your wife has. You don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will say that, again, I think just something that they've done, either they did Turk dirty sometimes, was like, he was the inattentive, the guy who had to learn a lot. And so, like, but I think that goes back to guy love and to I, I'm Dominican that, like, a lot of it was is his character growth that he does learn and you know he is retaining these things even though he lets some easy stuff go through but like there's another uh there's another point where in one episode where jd's like come on i don't know why everybody makes a big deal about our relationship it's not like we're married or something and and turk goes dude we're a little married and like he really does love jd you know like and he he's open to love him and but he's the guy who has to learn a little bit more about, you know, how to express that in a way that he's maybe comfortable with or whatever that, you know, doesn't really live up with to our 2023 notions necessarily or that we want to see. I mean, but he, like, so I think that's the thing is like they did. They did Turk, Turk and Carla dirty a lot of times, especially Dirk, Turk, where he was kind of used as the example of having to learn a lot. I guess I guess it's that he has to unlearn what society puts on men because yeah, like absolutely you don't want to look a certain way when you're upset because like hey everyone gets upset everyone gets angry everyone wants to throw a temper tantrum but then society is like hey you're not allowed to do that because you're a man so yeah. the phrase man up comes to mind and everything yeah. uh but to totally switch gears on you there is one thing that I want to bring up that I didn't we didn't talk about last time either is that uh what song is it when the truth comes out the quote-unquote act one finale if you will of this episode um it ends with Dr. Cox learning what exactly is the problem here um the diagnosis and everything and the fact that they finish when the truth comes out but he is silently telling her what is happening. I was like, that is really smart and weird too, because like, he's not making it a three minute soliloquy song about, Hey, you have an aneurysm and this is the process that we're going to do. It's like, Hey, we're, we're finishing the happiness and the, the dichotomy of like, uh, of like the show where it's like all this crazy wacky antics happen, but like people die in the show. So exactly. So it's like a true Testament to them to be, to show restraint in a way, but also um, to have that their quiet moments, especially around all of this um, 
bananas, bonkers things that happen on this show. And in some ways, the most bonkers, the most loud, because it is being sung and there is music behind it that like, yeah, that that is the one silent part, mm-hmm. not even just spoken. And the dichotomy between what's spoken and what's sung in this episode is so stark and so clear. But like, I think you're right when it's specifically when it's silent and then the privacy comes in because that's when they draw the curtain around right. the, the her hospital bed. Credit where credit's due. And like, I know we we keep talking about uh, not just on this episode, but on other episodes, like looking at things like obviously times have changed. Comedy has changed. But you have to like give the show credit because it knew when to be wacky zany and it knew when to be serious and it knew when to be both at the same time (laughs) and like that's what i think a lot of us gravitate towards with this show is like it's funny and serious at the same time and it was really unheard of at, at that moment so yeah there's like a lot of cringe cringy moments little like things that need to be readdressed and everything i'm pretty sure that blackface episode is not showing anywhere like they pulled that one and they and they've they've talked about it on uh on their podcast too and they're like my history with blackface i didn't listen to that episode yet but i mean they they address it and, and they, they own up to it and i mean it doesn't make it okay but no they, they're they're uh, they uh, they understand that there's stuff that needs to be addressed and, and adapted what i will give them again, give the show credit for and separate from any, a lot of the stuff that's racially um, charged, but a lot of the stuff that is problematic, particularly like, you know, Turks gay panic or whatever is very character based. And again, it's stuff that is kind of, I don't mean to repeat myself, but it is stuff that's being, that is addressed, you know, that it's like, it's, it's stuff about their character that is not, it, it's it, is, it is, it is, it's on purpose to help them grow that because it's stuff that gets addressed. It's it's stuff that shows that they are not perfect people. Right. Um, and like, again, still some of the jokes are not okay, but they are there not just to put a gay joke in, but because it is a comment on the relationship between JD and Turk or specifically, you know, Turk's views of masculinity. So I you know I do I do want to give them credit that it is good writing that it is character based it's not just let's you know have this this joke. Uh, the one the one joke I do want to go to real quick before just to go back to uh, when the truth comes out. Okay. Is do you know how that song starts? Uh, the the slow drumming and it's supposed to be like uh, do you hear the people sing? So it's lame is it's do the, you hear the people sing it's one day more. And and Dr. Cox's first line to Patty is, do you still hear people sing? Oh. Which I I only just caught, which is fucking brilliant. I have to shout out Deborah Fordham. Oh, my goodness. There's also a moment in Welcome to Sacred Heart where if you watch Sarah Chalk, specifically her, she is questioning all of her life choices at that moment (laughs) she's like why did i say yes to doing this why am i being featured i i'm not a singer like (laughs) and And she apparently got like panned in the reviews too right i mean but like that's the beauty of it though that like they didn't dub her so this is her singing and i mean she's not the greatest but like hey a for effort man it's not it's hard 
it's difficult and like they wrote things for her and like uh when we do friends forever she's more like speaking in rhythm than singing if you really listen to it so like yeah she's not she doesn't feel strong in her singing but hey she did it she did a great i think she did a great job i agree Um, i agree i I, as somebody who doesn't get paid to sing (laughs) on the reg uh, oh totally or at all you know my shower doesn't yell at me when i sing in it so of course not so also let's not forget too that zach braff was in a broadway musical he was bullets over broadway oh he was Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah, so he so like you could tell who are the people that are more comfortable singing than others. I don't know how I how um crap, what's his name? The one that plays Dr. Cox. I don't know if he was really like a singer, but he sold it. Like they all sold it in a way. In their yeah, ways. they all sold it. And he he was like, Yeah, I did musicals in high school apparently. Like when they were asking everybody if they wanted to do it, and apparently like him and Sarah Chalk were like yeah, I mean, like, I've done them, but I don't I don't necessarily feel like wait, this needs to happen. But sure, 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 sure. When you watch it again, watch her in the opening number, because there are moments that she's just like, uh, why did I, what is happening? Why did I say yes to this? And I mean, that beautiful, classic, kind of like 50s through 70s musical, like kaleidoscope shot. The, that, that just that big shot of like everyone dancing in the parking yeah. lot like that's just like a, such an iconic kind of shot like the very the very la la land opening yes. numberness of it yes it was like like there, you can't you can't hide <laughs> so I, I i'll i'll go back and look at that uh derek is there anything else you want to talk about before we get in sharp and flat no cuz i think the the last couple things i want to say will, will will work perfectly for it okay let's do it sharp Flat. Uh, so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, thought it could change, it's flat. And then we'll see how I feel about the last episode. So, D-Speeds, why don't you go first with your... J- just go. Do your sharps or your flats, yeah. whatever you want to do. What do you, what do you want to start with? I'm going to start with sharps. Let's start with the good. Okay. Um, I think one sharp is... Again, shouting out Deborah Fordham's lyricism. I think there's some really clever lyrics. Again, all the ways you can rhyme Dominican. Mm-hmm. Um, even the, even the, everything comes down to poop or poo. The ending of that song, everything comes down to doo-doo, 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 <laughs> is so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently that was the song that had the most lyric changes uh, due to feedback from the network. I, I saw one that they wanted to rhyme like crass with ass and then they had yeah. to change it. And you're like, why? It's ass. <laughs> yeah. And then w- apparently one of the ones that uh, Donald Faison shares on the podcast that they that they had to cut was about like describing the different samples. I was like, was it a curly or a J? <laughs> and that's where that's where like NBC drew the line. They're like, no, you can't des- you can't describe the actual shape of the of the the fecal matter that's uh that's where we're gonna call it um yeah so i i want to I, I don't know i just want to shout her out i think that like as the story editor she really again that's indicative my other flat is just that like this was a scrubs episode i think it really encapsulated the characters it made sense for all the characters who sang what they did in the style that they Wait, did this is a flat did. or is it sharp 
the sharp, 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 sharp. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. Just, um, just want to. Sorry, I'm just. I'm used to going flat. That's that's why. So sorry. <laughs> but like, so this is that. Like, it just it really feels like a Scrubs episode, and I think it in the short 24 minutes where 20 out of 24 minutes is music really encapsulates what the show is for all of its good and all of its bad. So I, I think that that is just such an incredible feat. And that's why I put it as this great music episode. Cause even like the, how I'm rewatching how I met your mother right now, another problematic show um, that has not aged well, but on their hundredth episode, they, you know, they, they sing a song cause it's Neil Patrick Harris and they want a big song and dance number for their hundredth episode. And it was a great way to, to sell it. And it makes no sense. It makes no sense that that song just starts happening. <laughs> And that's what I feel like happens in so many of these shows, like fucking Sabrina and the Teenage Witch, when she starts singing Song of Purple Summer out of nowhere, or the fucking Phantom of the Opera. I was like, that's when I was like, I'm done with okay, the show. That is the chilling adventures of Sabrina, not Sabrina Yes, sorry, the sorry, the Witch. chilling adventures. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because Sabrina sorry. the Teenage Witch had Shake Your Whammy Fanny, Funky Song, Funky Song. <laughs> they had an original naturally, song. Naturally, naturally. The chilling adventures of Sabrina, when they sing... It's tricky at a cheerleading uh, practice. It <laughs> it kills me every time. Uh, and like, okay. I guess I guess it's camp. It is whatever. But this again feels integral to the show. Music feels integral to the show. That it's like it's very. It makes sense. Do you actually have any flats for this? I think my one my one flat is 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 again. I just think that I don't love how the show handled Turk and Carla's relationship a lot of the time. And I just think that, like, they just put too much in their way. And so I, I, I really had trouble watching um, for the last time I'm Dominican I, this time around. I really did. And even though, again, I think that it's a beautiful tango, both their performances are great. And the lyrics are actually very funny. And I just I, I really don't like that situation. I don't know why. It's really, really made me made me sad. And did they uh, – you said you haven't listened to the My Musical episode of their – podcast of, i uh, did i just did i just did. Oh, you did did they bring up this at all not really not in particular and man they love guy love because they're like we've they're like because that was they used that and they used everything comes down to poo as their promotional materials okay. so they put them on youtube way before the episode even premiered that was kind of like t- to get you to get you hooked uh... um and so then they sang guy love on jimmy fallon like apparently Donald Faison still remembers all of the all of the harmonies because they were like singing it to each other on on the podcast, which was so cute. And like they really love each other. But I mean, yes, of course the actors do love each other because like they've <laughs> they did almost ten years together on this show. Yeah. Um, because um, their podcast called not to promote another context, but it's Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Oh. Because <laughs> they're like they're like we actually are best friends. Uh, do you have any other sharps, flats, anything else? I can't just shout out to Stephanie DeBruzzo. Yeah. Good for her. Just good for her. Yeah. Um, she was my sharp originally. And, uh, so do, so because it's second chance theater, do I agree with everything? My, my sharps and flats from the last time. Yes. Which, uh, as a reminder was my, I sharped Stephanie DeBruzzo and I flatted Turks' homophobia and racism, especially in guy, uh, what, what we've talked about. But also, there is some... Uh, I have a new flat, which is there are some other lines and other songs, uh, lyrics and other songs, that 
caught me off guard a little bit. Like in the big group numbers, especially in Welcome to Sacred Heart, there's a few one-liners here and there that I was just like, ooh, why did you, ooh, ooh. Oh, like, do you, do you have one in particular? Or do you know who said them? I'm just curious. I can't remember off the top of my head. I, it's just, it's just like when they cut to the diff, the secondary characters. Um, but again, we've, we've, we've had this discussion and I keep having this discussion where like, sometimes these cringy lines or cringy moments is character deve- development. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. I believe one is, Oh, who's the head? Who's the head doctor? Or I would say doctor. Head? I was gonna say because because it's Doctor Kelso's song too. Yeah. So Kel Kelso has a few lines here and there that I'm just like, okay, well, we could have probably worded this differently, and it mm-hmm. would it would suffice. But like, but again, it's how that character would say it because that was a problematic yeah. character, and he was meant to be problematic and constantly growing throughout the show, and so i so but again a, it doesn't a, it's a light it's, flag. it's a How's weird that? line it's a weird line it's a weird line to draw yeah yeah it's it's also like hard because i hate to say this phrase but like it's a product of its time and like mm-hmm. and like yes there are some things even back then that weren't the greatest that they shouldn't yeah. have done but aka blackface blackface but also like you keep harping about how Turk treats um Carla like not knowing her middle name or yeah. all this stuff. Like that wasn't even great at the time. Yeah. Uh yeah. But now, but like also him being uh get, having gay panic and everything, like that is a product of the time, but also that is character development where mm-hmm. where like 2007, I think socially like the world was trying to break down these norms at that time the men shouldn't show emotion or or Mm -hmm. like they have to be the strong man or whatever quote unquote well i mean the shows where i really see this like again because i actually do give scrubs credit for like this male friendship this especially again because it is jd's show it's usually from jd's point of view the fact that the hero that we root for is this guy who is okay with sharing his emotion and being like, hey, I love you. I miss you so much. It hurts sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like the same thing with um, Sean and Gus. Like, the, the, And those two shows are, are started filming or aired around the same time. But like those were two shows that were very much about like, we are best friends and we love each other. And we are like inseparable. Where, I, like, mean, I, I can't think of a lot of other sitcoms around that time that were like that. Like again, How I Met Your Mother, like they're best friends or friends, they're best friends. But there was a lot of Oh, I'm especially friends. A lot of gay panic about how they showed emotions for each other, where this was like very affectionate. And even though there was some gay panic, like Turk is still affectionate to his friend. Right. So, yeah. Uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Similar to Shady, the song that goes through my head sometimes when you like, you see, you know, two bros hanging out is Guy Love will go through your head. They just wrote a good song, at least, at least a good melody. That it will never get out of your head, but it's 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 the, usually those two lines like it's guy love between two guys. That's the part that yeah. like everyone hums or sings, but you, yeah, when, when you see when you see two guy friends, <laughs> like I'm pretty two sure guy, two bros, two bros, two bros. I'm, I'm pretty sure you and your friend 
Like, did you sing the whole song or did you only sing those lines? We just sang those two lines. You're right. You're exactly right. It's just those two lines. Um, I, I'm going to amend what I said last time. I do listen to this album occasionally. So oh. I'm going to say the whole album because like there's there's some great moments in all of them. Yes. Like we said, and we keep saying they are there are some problematic moments, but like nostalgia and like yeah. the parody of the whatever song that they're referencing, Modern Major General as um, yeah. uh, the rant song. I probably, I, I think I skip whenever I'm listening to the album for the last time I'm Dominican. Just, yeah. Yeah. But talented cast, every everyone, great. Oh, great job. hats off to everyone. I, and I think that actually this time around, watching it, again and then also kind of like listening to you know donald and zach talk about it and then just thinking about it over the last few days Your best friends yeah, yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> dnz dnz <laughs> um is uh i think i i really am starting to appreciate everything that comes down to poo i think that is just a really well-written song ironically I, I that's think... a song that aged well <laughs> yeah they're talking yeah. about poop and like it's just like, okay, if you guys had the other nine songs be like that, where there isn't at least one line where it's cringe, or if there's only one line that's cringe, like, that's it. That's all you needed to do. But, like, yeah. yeah. And I, lo- I love the, I also love the melody, the one that's been stuck in my head the last few days, that as I've been thinking about this is, we're gonna miss you, Carla. We're gonna oh, miss you. Oh, yeah. I think that song goes on way too long. I think it could have been cut by, like, 30 seconds, but... That melody is very good. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, written by one of the blanks. Did I don't know if we actually answered this, with, uh, if, or, or if Shady and I answered this, but the title of the episode is My Musical. And usually the titles of the episodes refer to JD. Mm. But this, is this... Uh, but literally, the musical is in uh, Patty's head, though. So is this technically her episode or is it somehow tied into JD's life? Damn. Oh, that's, that's a, I think that's actually a good, a really good catch, John. I think you're right. I think, I think that's, I think that's maybe a slight mistake. Although him coming out, her coming out of the coma and him being like, who's the best singer? It was me, right? Don't let the fact that I was in music, it went to theater camp. (laughs) Um, Because like a lot of the other episodes I've done that are the one musical episode in a series that it has no other, it it does, they're not a musical series. Um, The title of the episode is usually the song or a song in the episode. Mm. There is no my musical song. So I don't know. The the hundredth episode of How I Made Mother is you know, has the one song girls versus suits. And that's the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's funny. That's, that, that's true. I think, um, or at least it's said, cause once more with feeling the Buffy episode, there mm-hmm. is a line that the demon sings. Um, it's not the name of the song, I believe, but yeah. So I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave you and the listeners on mm-hmm. that, that question. Whose musical is this? Uh, because Derek, Derek, 
it's so weird saying your name. D speeds, we're done with the episode. Um, Yay! We done did it. I you happy? Are you you happy that we? I am happy. I finally got to do it. You got your platform to talk about Scrubs. I got my platform to talk about Scrubs. Absolutely. Um, what do you have to plug or promote? Absolutely nothing. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> there. Uh, I'm okay. an I'm an act, I'm an actor singer New York City based. Um, check me out at DerekPenSpeedy.com or Derek Speedy on Instagram. If you if you have an answer to the question of whose musical this is based on the title, mm. uh, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail dot com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, yeah, that's it. And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, we are going to be talking about the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. It's a new episode, everyone. It's a new topic. Oh. I have no idea what this is. I I will have to listen to find out what the hell that is. Oh, it's a Rankin and Bass movie. The Claymation. Oh, naturally, naturally, naturally. Um, D-Speeds, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, John. Ooh, we had a very serious conversation. Did not expect that to happen about Scrubs. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. We like the content. Uh, And everyone, bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.